Well, we are uh, continuing our series this morning uh, on Multiply. Uh, it's a book uh, that, that our small groups are going through. It's an all-church study, so I'm going to be preaching through it. Our small groups are going through it. Uh, and uh, I encourage you, I didn't say this announcement, but it's, I have nine more books left. And so I want as many people as possible to be able to have a book, to go through the book with us. Uh, it's never too late. It's, uh, it kind of builds on itself, but it's not uh, an essential to read the whole thing. And so even if you haven't read yet, uh, but you're interested, grab one of those books. They're out on the table in the back there on the back left when you walk out. And so uh, I encourage you to just grab one. We've been going through this book, going through this study. Uh, and today we are, we, last week we kind of put an end to, or not put an end, but we closed out our, our kind of part one about what is a disciple, right? What is a disciple? And so really the summed up is this. If you really believe what you say you believe, there will be some action involved. Being a disciple is not just a, a mind thing. There's an action involved. And so that's to sum up literally those three weeks, if you hear nothing else from me, I want you to hear this. If you really believe what you say you believe, there has to be some sort of action involved in your life. It has to be more than just a, a cognitive agreement to a certain set of beliefs. There has to be some action. What is a disciple? Is holding on so loosely to the things of this earth and so tightly to Jesus Christ. So this week, we, we kind of start part two of our Multiply series. Right, and this, this part two is kind of the, the where, right? We talked about the what and the how and the why. Now we're going to talk about the where. Where does, where does this take place? Where, where can I go to, to, to fully invest myself, to be a disciple who makes disciples? And so for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about life in the church. What does it mean to be a part of a local church? What does it mean to be a part of the church in general? And so today, I just want to start off by talking about what it looks like for you and for me to be a part of, of a church. And over the next two weeks, we're going to talk about the responsibilities of the church. <clears throat> Have you ever just been, been stuck in your faith? Just kind of gotten to a point in your life where, or maybe it's recently, maybe it's right now, maybe it's in the past, where you just got to a point and you just thought, I don't know what else I can do to grow. Right? I, I, I read, I, I pray, I do everything that I think I'm supposed to be doing, and I just feel like I've hit a ceiling. I feel like I can't grow anymore. God, I, I, I want you, I'm hungry for you, I feel like I'm doing everything I need to be doing, but I just can't get farther than I'm at right now. What is going on? Have you ever been in that place? I've been in that place. Just feeling stuck, like I just couldn't go anywhere. Like I, like I had hit the, I knew I hadn't arrived, right? But I wasn't growing anymore. Like I wasn't, I wasn't, getting, any, I wasn't getting any closer to Jesus. And there was just this, this gap that I knew was there. And maybe you know is there too. I, I, want, I want to just, just throw out this, this thought today. And this thought is this. The greatest seed in the greatest soil cannot grow if it's not in the right environment. I'm going to say this again. The greatest seed in the greatest soil cannot grow and reach its full potential 
if it's not in the right environment. Have you ever just felt stuck? I think for most people the answer is, is, is yes, I have felt stuck. I felt like I just couldn't grow anymore. And I want to say that maybe, just maybe, it has to do with the environments that we put ourselves in. Specifically the environment of, of the church. You know, Luke chapter 8, there's a, there's a story in Luke, if you want to turn to Luke chapter 8 with me. There's a story in Luke uh, that, is, that is known of the, as the parable of the sower, right? Or the parable of the seeds, however you want to look at it. And it's this, this parable uh, that Jesus tells his disciples of, of a farmer who goes out and he sows, sows his seeds. Some seeds fall on the path, some seeds fall on the rocks, some seeds fall on the thorns, and then there's some seeds that fall on the, on the good soil. Now, I, I've preached on this uh, a couple times before here, I think, and, and, and I, I don't want to kind of rehash this, but what I, what I want to say to you this morning is Jesus kind, of, Jesus kind of lets us know what he's talking about here in this passage. Right? He basically tells, the, he, the disciples kind of just don't get it, right? He, he tells the parable, and then in Luke he says, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. And then it goes on to say, and then he more or less, describes to his disciples what he's talking about. And in this description, what we understand about this parable is that Jesus himself is, is the sower. He's the farmer, right? He is sowing the seeds. And the seeds is the, is the word of God. The seed is the gospel. And the soil is, is the heart of the hearer. And the different types of soil represent different kind of, kind of heart responses to the word that, 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 that is coming to us. And as I, as I read this this week, I was thinking about this passage this week, I was thinking of this, this, this saying that the greatest seed in the greatest soil cannot grow if it's not in the right environment. Right? The, the greatest seed, the, the word of God in the greatest soil, in, in, in a heart, like, in, in a heart, maybe your heart or my heart, that is just so overwhelmed with just hunger for the gospel, where we just want so much more, we, we want the gospel, we're ready for it. It's not going to grow, at least to its full potential, unless we're in the right environment. And that, that right environment, that right ecosystem, right, is, is the church. It's the church. We need the church. Every single one of us needs to be a part of the church. All right, there's, there's four ways that I know this, right? Here's the first way. The command of Scripture basically, basically commands us to be in this ecosystem or this environment, right? You read all over Scripture this, this language of, of one another, right? You read the one another language, not only in the Gospels, but, but all over in the New Testament of being commanded to to, to love one another. John, John chapter 13 is one of those verses. If you go to, to John chapter 13 with me. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. He says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my, my disciples if you love one another. All right, John's making it pretty clear what he wants us to do, right? Love one another. All right, love one another. Love one another. We see in Galatians chapter 6, Bear one another's burdens. 
Right, you see in J- or did I say James? I meant Galatians chapter six. Bear one another's burdens. Right, James chapter five. Right, confess our sins to one another. Pray for one another. This is just a, a small sampling of the the one another passages in Scripture that we're commanded to to be one another, to be with one another. Right, this, we're we're commanded to be together. As I said in our in our Connect sermon just a few weeks ago, we are not created to be alone. We are created for community. We're created to be with one another. Right? There's a, there's a, a in, in Multiply, in the chapter for this week, I love this, the, how Francis Chan opens this. Here's what he says. I'm just going to read it. If you haven't read it yet, this will hopefully get you to get a book. Right? Here's what he says on page 51. While every individual needs to obey Jesus' call to follow, We cannot follow Jesus as individuals. The proper context for every disciple maker is the church. It's impossible to make disciples aside from the church of Jesus Christ. Look at it from this perspective. The New Testament is full of commands to do this or that for one another. Love one another, pray for one another, encourage one another. So how can we teach people to observe all that I have commanded if they have no one to love, pray for, or encourage? It's impossible to one another yourself. (laughs) It's impossible to follow Jesus alone. We can't claim to follow Jesus if we neglect the church he created, the church he died for, and the church he entrusted his mission to. I think that's just a, a powerful statement as we start this talk about the church. We need the church. It's the command of Scripture that, that we need to be involved with one another. The command of Scripture mandates that we, that we be with, with one another. I just think it's, it's, it's amazing to think of this. Right? And not only, is it just the, the, not only is it just commanded in Scripture, Right, but, but we are given an example in Scripture of Jesus who, who was with, with his disciples. Right? If you turn to Mark chapter 3 with me, I think this is, a, this is a, a, a prime example of Jesus kind of showing us how to live in community here. Right? Jesus is, in, in Mark chapter 3, 13 and 14, he's, he's appointing the 12 disciples. And it says, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that, they, that he might send them out to preach. I want you to, to, to just catch this phrase. He appointed the 12 that they might be with him. They might be with him. I, I want you to kind of get this from a, from a larger viewpoint, from maybe the, the 30,000 foot level, right? Think about how many people heard the message of Jesus Christ. Thousands and thousands of people heard the message of Jesus Christ. Right? Jesus called his disciples to be with him. Right? The, the thousands of people that heard Jesus Christ, they, they heard the message, they, they received the message. But those 12 men that he was going to invest in, that, that he was going to, to send out to preach, to, to basically establish the church and to make it possible for you and I to be here this morning, those 12 men, he said, you need to be with me. If you are truly going to be able to, to understand what I'm saying, if you're truly going to be able to, to do what I'm doing, to follow me wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, if you're going to be able to follow me wholly, you need to be with me. 
And think about this. Even when, even when Jesus sends out the disciples, he didn't send them out by themselves. There was no lone ranger disciple. There was, they went in pairs, two by two by two. We have the example of Jesus that, that tells us we're built for this community. That we're meant for this. We're, we're, not, we're not able to follow on our own. He doesn't want us to follow on our own. We need to be following with other people. Not only is it just in the example of Jesus, that's, that's just the second thing, right? I said four things I could tell you why. I think about the, the practice of the early church. There's a, there's a familiar passage in the book of Acts, chapter 2. If you want to turn there, you can go ahead and turn there with me. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 is where we're starting. Here's what, here's what this says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Did you, did you hear that? They were devoted to one another. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. The believers were all together. All right, we look at the early church, and again, there's, there's no lone rangers. We're all in this together. All right, this is the environment where, where the gospel takes root. This is the environment where, where, where the growth happens in our lives. This is it. This is the environment. Right, and not only in the early church, but I, you just go through church history. This is the last one. You go through church history and just think about all the, all the different traditions and, and how they go. I could talk about the Moravians or the Wesleys or the, the Welsh Revival, right? And, and what is this? What are these all about? They're all about joining together. They're all about getting together and growing together. Right, Wesley was all about small groups, all about getting together to grow together. It's all about community. Right, so from, from, from Scripture, from Jesus' example, from the early church that we find in Acts, and all throughout church history, what we find is the importance of the church in our lives. What we find is that we are, we are meant for this place, and not just for this building. This building is not the church. You and I are the church. Amen. We are meant for each other. And growth happens when we're together, when we can be challenged by each other, when we, can be, when we can be kind of stimulated by each other, when we can go to a small group and say, you know, this is what I thought about that, and have someone else say, yeah, I'm not so sure about that. I'm not, I'm not sure that's, that's right. Tell me what you're thinking there, and I'll tell you what I'm thinking. We can have this discussion where growth happens, right? Growth happens in a church. Growth happens in community. Growth happens when we get together and intentionally decide I want to grow. This is why connect and grow are so essential for this church. Connect, grow, serve. It's who we are. It's what we do. Connect, grow, serve. The greatest seed in the greatest soil cannot grow if it's not in the right environment. 
Here's a phrase that I've been using for the last two and a half years. Tell me if you recognize it. Authentic community. I hope that's not a new word to any of you because that would prove to me that you're not listening to me. Authentic community. What does it look like to be an authentic community? As I was thinking about this, I was drawn back to a couple years ago when we did an all-church study in R2, R, Romans 12, R12. And there's this, this whole week, this, this week dedicated to, to what does it look like to be in and to be a part of an authentic community. And it came down to this. Authentic community happens, and this is Romans 12, 9 through 13, if you're interested Authentic community happens when the real you meets real needs for the right reasons in the right way. Let me say that again. If you want to go to Romans chapter 12 with me, we can, we'll go through this. Romans chapter 12. When the real you meets real needs in the right way for the right reasons. Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Right? Love must be sincere, it needs to be the real you. Sincere love has to be from the real from the real you. Right? Here's how important this is. That, 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 that here's how important authentic community and that, that here's how important it is that there's not hypocrisy in the church. Right? If you look in the book of Acts, right? The Acts starts, Jesus goes into heaven. Right? Acts chapter 2, the, the, the church starts, the church is, is going, and Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4 are doing some amazing things. Acts chapter 5 comes along. Right? And, and as the early church is, is going along, what's happening is they're doing exactly what was in Acts chapter 2. Right? They're, whenever, when anyone is in need, they sold uh, what they had to provide for the person that was in need. Acts chapter 5 comes along, and there's a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira. Right? Seeing all the stuff that's going on, they decide they're going to go sell their field and give part of the money to the apostles. And when they go, they say, here is the, the whole amount of money that we got for this field. And they kept some for themselves, and they kept it secret. Think about, think about this. In Acts chapter 5, the result of this, this lie to the, to the apostles is the death of Ananias and Sapphira. Think about why this was so important to the apostles. Can you imagine if that early on, if some hypocrisy got into the church. If some people got into the church that, that weren't really living it out. Can you imagine what that would have done to the message of Christ? Can you imagine what that damage would have done as people looked on to the church and said, man, that's, that's cool that they believe that, but I mean, look at them. Like, they, they totally lied and... and just kind of ruins the message. It ruins the gospel. 
there was a sense that, that authenticity had to happen, right? Uh, the, the, this, this first church, this, this the early church, had to be an authentic community or else we wouldn't be here today. And they took it seriously. I mean, can you imagine if we, if we took it seriously and we're a real, authentic community where the real you showed up every single week and we didn't come with these masks or these, I talk about this in the Connect week, right? We didn't come with the masks and the barriers that say, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. When I know that my doing great is a complete lie to someone who just asked me how I'm doing. The real you, being able to say, you know, my week hasn't been that good. Do you have five minutes to come sit with me? I'll tell you all about it, and you can pray with me. Yeah, absolutely. All right, when that real you, the authentic you, meets real needs, right? Meets real needs. Be devoted to one another in love. This devotion is talking about like a, a family devotion, like a, a, the kind of devotion that you would have to a blood relative, right? Where you would just do anything for this person. When you see a need, when you see a, a real need, that you would do anything, you would lay down your life for this person. Right? The, the real you meets real needs in the right way, or for the right reasons. Right? For the right reasons. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Right? This spiritual fervor is kind of the, the same type of language for like a, a boiling pot, right? That, that this, they're kind of reaching the boiling point. There's this point where, where you just feel like you're just going to explode. Like this is the, the spiritual fervor that, that Paul is talking about here, right? Keep your spiritual fervor. Keep your life at this point where you are just, just ready to explode for Christ, that you are just willing to, to do whatever it takes to help people in need, and, and not just to, to be noticed by others, Right? Serving the Lord, Paul says. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. It's not for you. It's not to be noticed by others. Right? Matthew 6 is a great example of this. When you fast, when you pray, when you give, don't do it to be seen by others. Do it because the Lord sees what is done in secret. Right? Serve the Lord. Keep your spiritual fervor and serve the Lord. The real you meets, the, meets real needs in the right for the right reasons, <laughs> in the right way, the right way, not on your own strength, but in the strength of the Lord. Right, this is authentic, this is the community that we are called to as believers. This is the community that, that God has for us, that God set up for us from the very beginning. I, I find it really interesting that, that when Jesus left, right, he, he says these words, go Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I'll be with you to the very end of the age. Matthew 28. Acts chapter 1. And you will be my witnesses in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But he didn't say, go and do it by yourself. He didn't give the disciples instructions to go out alone. It's you, y'all, will be my witnesses, is what Jesus is saying. That word you is a plural you. And you all will be my witnesses. This is an us thing. It's not a me thing. 
said a couple weeks ago that, that your, your spiritual life is personal, yes, but not private. We do this together. This is the church. And this is what the church is for. As we close today, I just want to read this, this paragraph again in this book. And I want you to just listen and hear, hear these words. Here's what it says. While every individual needs to obey Jesus' call to follow, we cannot follow Jesus as individuals. The proper context for every disciple maker is the church. It's impossible to make disciples aside from the church of Jesus Christ. Look at it from this perspective. The New Testament is full of commands to do this or that for one another. Love one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, etc. So, so how can we teach people to observe all that I've commanded if they have no one to love, pray for, or encourage? It's impossible to one another yourself. It's impossible to follow Jesus alone. We can't claim to follow Jesus if we neglect the church he created, the church that he died for, the church that he entrusted his mission to. The greatest seed in the greatest soil cannot grow and reach its full potential if it's not in the right environment. And that environment is this community, the community of believers. As we go through this week, I, I just want to challenge you to just renew a commitment to this community of believers. If we are going to be a church of disciples who make disciples, who make disciples until the world knows and every knee will bow and every tongue confess, then we need to be committed to one another. And over the next couple of weeks, we'll talk about what that means for us. What does that commitment look like locally? And then what does that commitment look like globally? I'm excited. I encourage you. If you haven't got a book yet, get a book. Read the book. It's free today. I'll just give it to you. Just take it and read it. <laughs> Let me pray for us. God, we love you. And we are excited to, to be a part of a community of believers. God, and we know we have this, this local community here, but, but all over the world, even just in our town, God, there's other Nazarenes in town that we are a part of a much larger community of believers. But God, we, we commit to one another today. God, we commit to obey the scriptures to, to love one another and to encourage one another and to bear one another's burdens, to, to confess to one another, to pray for one another. God, I could go on and on of all the one another's in scripture, God, and we commit to one another today. We commit to, to the local church, to this church. God, we love you, and we give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.